you do have to set up, reapply for your business license every year. There's usually permits that you need at a local level to be able to do this. All of that research, all of that work does take a good lift the first year, but way easier subsequent years. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, everyone. I'm Annie Dickerson. And on behalf of the whole Good Egg Investments team, I'm thrilled to welcome you to another episode of the Life and Money Show. I'm joined by my co-host, Susan Elliott. Susan, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you today, Annie? I'm good. We have a brand new member of our family. We have an eight-week-old puppy. She's a Cavapoo, Cavalier King Charles and Poodle Mix, which my kids named Miso. She's this beautiful, like caramel, like red brown color. And she's just a tiny little, like three pound fluff ball. She is so much fun. And she looks like a stuffed animal until she just moves slightly in video meetings every once in a while. That's a real dog. I just can't (laughs) wait. Like really cute puppy photo drops to be woven into our communications for all of our investors. Cause that really is, it's proven that puppy photos make us all happier. Yeah. She can be the good egg mascot for sure. So I've actually used that tactic before in blog posts and articles when talking about really complex things or videos, I think, and really complex like data and topics and terms. And I'm like, hang on, take a break, look at this puppy. So now I can use my own puppy. (laughs) You can. Also, would you do a size comparison with like a carton of eggs? She at one dozen, two dozen? Yes. I love it. so tiny. It also reminds me of when we got my dog. My dog is 11 years old, super cute, Mm. 70 pound dog Mm. though, quite a bit bigger than what Miso will grow to. Yes. When he was a puppy, and this is before I had my two kids, I remember him waking us up, having to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, crate training. You have to wake up and Mm -hmm. waking up just one time in the middle of the night. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, (laughs) this is so hard. (laughs) And the thought crossed my mind. I bet having kids is harder (laughs) at night. Sometimes. So that makes me think, I hope that you get through puppy training, potty training. Yeah, it is not easier. I will say it is like having an infant, except I guess there's no diapers per se to change, especially if you catch them before they go inside. So that part is easier and you can kind of just plunk them down outside and they'll do their thing for the most part. There is some waiting around. But yeah, I found that not at the two o'clock mark, but at the four or five o'clock mark, she's like up. She's like totally docile the rest of the day. But that five o'clock, her, I guess, witching hour where she's just like full on puppy, like she's ready to bite and chew and like play. And she's like, welcome to your new morning routine, Annie. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to this little wonderful yep. impetus in your life. Just get up and do a little meditation, some visualization, some right? ball tossing. Yeah, she's totally thrown a kink in my whole morning meditation routine. <laughs> Different kind of meditation, walking meditation. Yes, yes. Cut snuggling meditation. Yes. It's all meditation. And you, you're traveling with your kids. So talk about, you know, I mean, maybe not. Well, 
actually maybe in the middle of the night disturbances, but. (laughs) And this is a great segue into what we're going to talk about in our show today. I'm so excited, but right now, yes, we've just flown down to Arizona where my husband's whole family lives. And so we spend a lot of time here in the summer times. Last summer I was on maternity leave. My son was born in the spring. So we were down here for two and a half months last summer, and it is just extraordinary. Everyone thinks Arizona is terrible in the summer. And yes, there are many, many hot places in Arizona in the summer, but we're up in Flagstaff and spending a little bit of time in Camp Verde, which is outside of Sedona. And it is glorious. The monsoons come this time of year. And while they do cause a lot of problems, they are gorgeous and bring cool air and I get to run at altitude, which makes me feel like a superhero when I go back home and run at lower (laughs) elevations, which is wonderful. And our kids get to spend a lot of time with family. So their bigger cousins, their grandparents, aunties and uncles. And it's just like that time to not do a quick long weekend or even one week trip Mm -hmm. a year. We get to go have dinner once a week, twice a week at auntie's house. And we get to see grandma two or three days a week for a month or a month and a half, it builds much more richness into their relationships. Mm -hmm. So we're down here. I flew with two kids by myself and my husband drove down our dog from up in Washington state outside of Portland and Whew, it's travel. It's a big, big trip. <laughs> Do you get to draw straws for who takes the dog versus the kids? Not really. Well, I'm breastfeeding right now, yeah. but I'm about to wean. And the thought cross oh, my mind, I can't okay. wait to do that drive, <laughs> that 20 hour drive. There Sounds we go. Great. I love seeing my kids travel, especially my five-year-old. She is just getting to be a pro at the airports and a pro mm-hmm. with packing and getting excited and There's hard times in it too. And even my one-year-old who is one and a half and he's like on my lap right now, which is just a handful. Just to see their comfort in that whole process bloom is really, really fulfilling. It's I love travel. I even love airplanes and airports and things. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited to fly by myself one day, but it's kind of neat too. Yeah. And what a special time. And we'll talk about this in the show today, the privilege and honor of slow travel to be able to take that extra time, especially with family and build those deeper relationships, not feel like you have to rush and get it all in in one weekend, get the ice cream, get the toys, go to the baseball game, check off all the things within one weekend, rush home and then feel like you're exhausted. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. It almost feels like a week-long trip is just exhausting to me. It's Mm -hmm. so exhausting to be able to do this. And it's like you said, I think we're more tourists in that frame where we're checking all those boxes of spending really high quality time. But to just spend sort of normal time with our friends and family is you tend to have an experience in the present moment there where you go on a hike or you just cook breakfast together or you do something normal, normal parts of routine together. My grandma reads to Juniper every night when we're down at her house. And it's those things that I think the kids remember a lot more too. I mean, don't get me wrong. She's really excited to go to Disneyland one day, but it's the slow travel, especially in our family. We're lucky that it works out really well this way. Yeah. Well, that's definitely a big part of what we're going to talk about here today, because If you are in a position to be able to slow travel, there's some really interesting and creative things you can do to kind of either build up more streams of income or save more money and then put that into your investing bucket. Because now with equity crowdfunding, you can invest for just a few thousand dollars in real real estate assets, (laughs) real physical real estate assets, the brick and mortar kind. 
and for just a few thousand dollars. So that means that every dollar counts. If you can squeeze out a few hundred bucks here and there, soon enough, you'll have enough to invest in a real estate crowdfunding offering. And soon enough after that, as you continue to snowball that up, then you will have enough to invest in a private placement, real estate syndication, and you'll just go from there. What we're going to talk about on this show are a few different techniques that we've used ourselves, creative strategies to squeeze out a little bit of extra money, especially when you have a growing family to be able to invest a little bit more. Now, before we dive in, for anybody who listening to this and you're thinking crowdfunding, I've never heard of that before. I didn't know you could crowdfund and invest that way. You absolutely can. In fact, we just launched our first inaugural crowdfunding offering to invest in a fantastic multifamily asset in Florida not long ago, and it filled up within two weeks. So there's a lot of interest, a lot of demand, a lot of momentum around these new types of offerings. And so if you haven't already go back. I think it was a couple episodes ago. We did a deep dive on real estate crowdfunding. Listen to that episode and really get a sense of what crowdfunding is and whether it's right for you. And then go to our website, goodeginvestments.com slash deals. And then you can see the offerings we currently have available, as well as a little bit of information about our next upcoming crowdfunding offering. All right. So with that, Susan, shall we dive in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first idea we have for generating a little bit more money to fill up, get to that threshold for investing, whether that's a crowdfund or just one of our regular funds is to rent out your home on Airbnb as a short-term rental. And so this is what my family and I do when we do these big trips to Arizona. So this is very fresh in my head. This is our third year of renting out our primary residence as a full home rental. So I'm going to cover a little bit about like how we make that work and why it's worth it, because it is a little bit of an extra work, a little bit of an extra push in the beginning. So we rent out our whole house. I kind of market it as a really kid-friendly place. We live in a beautiful part of town. It's walkable to town. So you're kind of thinking about the reasons why you love your home, and you're going to set it up so that other people can love your home in the same way. I think I gravitate towards this. I actually enjoy it because I love hosting friends and family if I can in my home. So it's as if I get to share this town that's a dream town. I get to live in this beautiful little mountain town in Columbia River Gorge. And I get to share that with people who have never seen it before, kind of make their experience really um, comfortable, give them extra amenities that they may not find, like a high chair and books and some toys and these things in a house that I would just love to find in an Airbnb when I travel. So I think that the pros of this, right, is that you are going to generate what feels like fairly passive income while it's happening. I love getting these notifications that like a deposit, a thousand something dollar deposit was sent to your account. This deposit, it sort of feels very passive, but there is a good bit of work on the front end of it that you can always outsource. There's always people who are willing to do the type of work that we're talking about. But in the prep of our house is really where the big part happens. So we have chosen to lock our closets. We installed locks on our closets. This is one of the ways where we can take all of our personal belongings, all of our clothing. We empty our drawers. I take down sort of family photos. We still have some adventure photos up that look like anybody could be kayaking over that waterfall or anybody could be hiking that beautiful trail. And then we lock it up in our closets and those closets get super full. Let me tell you, there's a lot that goes into there. A lot of toys that just maybe don't have all the parts or games that I don't want to lose pieces to. 
like I said, I leave out a lot of things that you wouldn't find in a normal Airbnb rental, especially one where someone doesn't actually live there. I think we've all been to those Airbnbs that are a little bit just empty and cold. And And you're like, why don't you have this thing that I need as a human being to live? Because nobody has lived there. They don't have that thing. (laughs) Just one plastic cup, like only wine glasses. Like, what am I doing? I'm going to give my kid milk in your wine glass. Like, come on, something my kid is not going to break, right? Or there's just nothing on the walls, nothing Mm -hmm. on the shelves. It just feels really like cold to me. So I get to have this like warm, friendly place that I offer to people. And it really makes me happy. And I think that if it's not going to bring you joy in the process, then this isn't worth doing. So find a way to make it joyful is a big tip here. Find a way to streamline the getting it set up. Find a great cleaner. There are your boots on the ground who is going to come in every time, clean the place up. You need more toilet paper. You need more paper towels. Make sure you get this. I've even had her install a new Roku into our TV when one broke while we were gone. Wow. That sort of thing. So a boots on the ground, someone figure out where you're going to lock your personal belongings up into. We've even locked a whole bedroom. The first year we did this, we just didn't Mm. offer our third bedroom and we just put strollers in there and bikes in there. But now we can lock that stuff up in our storage Mm -hmm. shed. And then I like to go a little bit above and beyond and put little signs up in places. This is another just little Mm. small tip. Like this is outside light switch. You may not know Mm -hmm. it because it's a weird key fob thing. So the light (laughs) strands that twinkle and you can take photos of things like that, just make it smooth. And I get comments back that like, oh, it was so helpful Mm -hmm. to have those little things and so welcoming and easy and all of those things. And then I come home to a perfectly clean house. Oh, yes. And the last benefit I want to highlight here is that this makes you do this yearly kind of purge and deep, deep Mm -hmm. clean of your home. Yeah. I mean, perhaps you're able to hire a cleaner and have someone do deep cleans on your home regularly. But this is a deep clean we're talking about of like stuff and clutter, the papers that kind of stack up that you're just I'll just put them over there. And then I'm just going to put them over there. But you really kind of have to go through a lot of this stuff, either on the front end or the back end. We definitely have a box of things that like, I just had to throw it in there. And then (laughs) when I unload that box, I'll definitely purge. (laughs) This year was the first year where we were kind of looking forward to that part. And it takes a good day of pushing that stuff through, but we're gone for a month in the summertime. We have a great tourist destination and I'm going to make between five and $10,000, depending on how many weeks I'm gone. And that's a great little like cap off Mm -hmm. on our yearly investing amount. It can get me into a crowdfund. If we make enough, it can, over time, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's our first tip is to think about Mm -hmm. that and your primary residence. I think most people think of that Mm -hmm. in terms of an ADU or that sort of thing, but your whole house can be rented too. Yeah. I think Something you said that was really interesting that I hadn't thought about before was that you don't have to offer your full house. Like if there's a bedroom or a bathroom or some part of your house that you don't want people in, you can devise ways like using locks or whatnot to seal off those parts. And so you can keep your personal belongings there. That was always a question of mine for renting out my own home was, do I have to let everybody into everywhere? Will they peek in my underwear drawer? Will they go in my safe and look at my documents? What do I do with all those things? But it's great to hear that with a few simple tools, you can lock those things away and protect your personal belongings. So that's a really great tip. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? 
Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. So a little bit of a horse, as you mentioned, <laughs> underwear drawer, the first year that we did this, I came home and we had emptied everything out, but I didn't empty out my underwear <gasps> I was just like mortified, like, oh my gosh, I'm sure someone saw that. And we do take down some of our favorite paintings. We got a beautiful piece of artwork in India. We moved that into our closets, little things that we would be really sad if it disappeared. But again, it brings back into that, like what's important in your life. And it helps us reflect and like detach ourselves from the importance of really relying on material things to bring us happiness. So you have to confront like, if this were to be destroyed, how sad would I be? If your answer is terribly sad to everything you own, then this may not be the style of generating extra income for you. But if you can say, you know what, I'd be okay if something happened to that chair, it's replaceable. It's just a thing. I think it also helps just having a little bit more lightness around everything. I mean, earlier this year, we were packing up for a level one evacuation due to a forest fire. And I had the same moment. And I think I've had training because I've Airbnb'd my house and saying, okay, we have what we have. And if the rest disappears, then I'll be okay. And I think that it allows me to stay, have a good level of equanimity when it comes to things I can't control. Mm -hmm. Before we move on, I want to ask about how much work it is because you're renting out your home. You mentioned the setting it up at the beginning, which obviously you're going to need to take photos, write descriptions or outsource to get your Airbnb listing up. But once it's up and you kind of offer up those days, I imagine you're having multiple groups of people stay in your home. And so your cleaners having to come in between reset things. And are you at the point these days where you're totally hands off or are you answering messages as new people are checking in? What's that look like? Great question. I think that the sort of setup of the business side of things and setting up the listing, like you mentioned, you do have to set up, reapply for your business license every year. There's usually permits that you need at a local level to be able to do this. All of that research, all of that work does take a good lift the first year, but way easier subsequent years. I don't have to set up my listing every year. I need to make sure if we changed any big furniture or anything like that, I'll have an updated photo. 
But I didn't have to do any of that this year. I just reapplied for my license. I got it earlier this spring. And that was that. And then I have all of my messages automated. So when someone requests, I approve them manually. I've chosen to do that manually because this is my primary residence. I want to be sure that they have five-star reviews, more than one. They can't auto book my house. So that takes a few times, but we're talking like maybe 10 different parties probably booked my house for this trip. So it takes just a few seconds on my phone. And then I do manage some of the communications. And the one thing that I want to make sure people are getting inside the house, we have one of the automatic locks so I can just create individual door codes. That's pretty automated. I do send them their individual door codes. I'm paranoid that the batteries are going to be dead and we have backups. I go to bed at 8.30. Like what if they're trying to get into my house at 10 p.m. (laughs) and are locked out? That's happened at one point. And luckily this gentleman found a window that he could open (laughs) to be able to get in. But after that experience, he actually gave me a fine review. I was quite shocked actually. He got uh, in through the window, then he found your underwear drawer and he's like, this place is great. (laughs) Oh God, I hope not. That was year two. There was no underwear access at that point. But he was an easygoing guy and understood. He was coming into the house yeah. at like 1.30 a.m. after working oh, in the yeah. area in construction. And I'm more clear about that. You have to check in between 4 and 9 p.m. Like I cannot mm-hmm. guarantee that yeah. something won't go wrong after that. Right. But you learn things a little bit every yeah. year. And then messages go out automatically, the check-in process, the check-out process. But if someone asks a question, I try to make sure that I'm responding to things throughout the time. But I would say the initial setup before first time mm-hmm. you get your Airbnb launched is a good lift. But every year it gets drastically easier or every time. And then throughout, like while you're away and while guests are in your house, you do kind of have to remain connected to be able to respond here and there. I mean, I text message more to my mom than I do respond to Airbnb guests. (laughs) That's the proportion. And I text my mom a lot. I love her. We have a good relationship. One thing that I learned too, is that my family and I take a lot of wilderness trips. We take a lot of sort of like out of cell phone service, rafting trips, hiking trips, that sort of thing. And I do need to find someone as a co-host that I can bring onto my account in Airbnb to do those message responses while I'm out because I won't be in cell phone service range. So that's another factor. If you're not going to be reachable, that you can easily hire a co-host. I mean, and the other thing is that there's a lot of people who will fully do all of the things I just described for you. They're like the property managers for short-term rentals because you do income in short-term rentals is quite a bit higher than long-term rentals typically you can often afford to pay a property manager who will manage your cleaner. They'll manage all your guest communications, your listing setup, just everything. So I imagine that when we do, we're going to planning for a full year of travel with my family in a couple of years. And we'll probably do this for a good portion of the year, as much as my permit allows. And I will probably hire someone like that just so that I can not worry about it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows by that time, maybe AI will be fully integrated and it'll be easy peasy. Yeah. My little (laughs) AI assistant. But I'm curious about another option, researched but not been able to do, and that is home exchanges. So our second tip into not necessarily making more money, but saving more money is to use home exchange. And you have done this. Tell us about your experience. Yeah. So we've done a few home exchanges now over the years. Most of them have been international. And so we started... I think it was summer of 2019. We did a home exchange in Spain, in Basque country. So we basically, a home exchange can be synchronous, meaning you're exchanging at the same time. So the other family is coming to stay at your home at the exact same time you're going to stay at their home. 
or it can be asynchronous, meaning like you, if you're traveling somewhere and your home is going to be empty for a period of time, you can then post it and let people know that it's available and you can have somebody stay while you're not in the house. And then you rack up what on homeexchange.com is the platform we use. They call them guest points. So then you can then use those guest points to then stay at another house at some other point. And so to your point, this doesn't necessarily, it's not like Airbnb where we get deposits of money in our bank account. I wish it were. But what Home Exchange does do is it allows us to save thousands of dollars on our vacation lodging. Whereas normally, if we were to go to Spain for two, three, four weeks, we would have to find a combination of hotels and Airbnbs, especially with kids. You don't want to all be crammed in one hotel room with two double beds for weeks on end. You want to have roomier Airbnb options, especially with my Bay Area kids who melt in anything above 80 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) You're going to want some AC in those hot European summers, right? So then that limits your Airbnb options. And so for us, finding these home exchanges was a great way for us to be able to live our life by design and have that slow travel component, but also to be able to not have to shell out thousands of dollars on lodging. Yeah. Okay. So it is a reciprocal relationship, but I like how you, there's a way for, it doesn't have to be one-to-one. I don't have to find someone who is taking a vacation to my small town at the exact same time that I want to take a vacation to their small town. When you did it, was it the same families that came and stayed in your home that you stayed in their home? Well, that's kind of neat too, because you almost get to know a family without ever having met them. Yes. That was exactly my experience. The first time we did it, I was like, I know these people better than I know some of my closest friends because I've literally slept in their bed. I've cooked meals in their kitchen. I know where they keep all their stuff. It's a different experience. It's a different way, even though for most of them, I think all of them actually, I've never actually met them in person. We've done Zoom calls, so we get to know them that way, but I've never met them in person. But I feel like I know them on such a deep level because I've essentially walked in their shoes. That's kind of fun. And thinking about them walking in your shoes yeah. in your home is an interesting mm-hmm. way to, they're going to find my blender. And I know. I see you have a good yeah. blender. Right. By the way, mine is located in the bottom. That's shelf. right. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things that people always ask me about home exchanges. Mm-hmm. One is about your personal belongings and your documents, which same as you do with your Airbnb, we will lock those things away or we'll put them in the garage or self-storage or somewhere where they're out of sight. And so that's a pretty easy thing to take care of. Another thing that people will often ask me is something that has just escaped me, but give me a moment. It'll come back to me. I would wonder about sort of the things that Airbnb takes care of. Like I have a cleaner that comes and cleans after every stay. Are you required Mm. to kind of leave it how you left it, how you found it? Uh, Right. Okay. That does remind me of the other thing, which is how well people take care of my home. So you're not required to get a cleaner. We did one home exchange in France where we stayed in two different places in France, Lyon and Toulouse. And we had two separate families coming to our home back to back. And so you don't have to get a cleaner, but we did because we know people are on vacation and we said, hey, you don't have to worry about doing all the cleaning and we're going to have somebody come in. So the cleaner came in in between and wash all the sheets, changed everything. So it was set up for the second family. 
But on the occasions when we haven't had a cleaner, where we will just come home right after the trip, I've found that the home in many cases is cleaner than when I left it. (laughs) I'm not surprised. I think I would naturally want that too, especially the gratitude you have staying in this person's home. You're not paying that huge cost of Airbnb and to just like... Yeah. Yeah. Treat them a little bit to coming home. Even a bottle of wine is a thank you gift. We had that experience. Somebody left us like the ingredients for their favorite meal that they enjoyed making. And they left that for us with thank you card and like drawings from their kids. It's just such a sweet personal touch and just something you don't get from staying in a hotel. We even had one time, there was this older couple who was staying in our home. Their adult children lived nearby in Oakland. So they had the whole family there for the holidays. And while they were there, they broke one of our glasses, which was fine. Totally no big deal. But they went out of their way. This is like each of the glasses had a different design on it. It came as a set. I had bought it on Amazon, but I guess at the time it wasn't available on Amazon. So they went out of their way to find some obscure place that was selling this exact set of glasses and they bought me the whole set. And so it's just people have a lot of fear around somebody staying in your home and you're worried about your stuff. But in my experience, Everybody that we've done home exchanges with have been just wonderful, wonderful people. have a lot of the same values that we do around slow travel, showing their kids the world, and just having that extra family time. So we've found it to be just such a great way to do slow travel and to save money on lodging while having new friends, trusted friends stay in our home at the same time. Well, I love that we both kind of pulled that out that like, this is a joyful way to do this. This is aligning with our values of how we're leading a life by design from having quality relationship time, quality family time, the gratitude piece, the giving piece. I think that those are all probably commonalities in the way that we choose to live every day. And this is like a cool manifestation of those things coming in where you get the added benefit, the financial added benefit of it, almost like it's covering more of those icky guys fears too. Like what can I do? What changes the world? What is good to put into the world? And then, Oh, look, I can actually make or save a little bit of extra money from this. So finding ways to go into all of that and is a great way to think about this. Now, our third topic that we want to talk about here is very similar in that it's figuring out other ways to sort of rent out, leverage your other assets. And that could be through an ADU. Maybe you're doing these types of things through an ADU. I assume that you could do a home exchange with ADU as well. You certainly can do Airbnb, of course, Mm -hmm. depending upon your restrictions in your town and the permitting requirements that, that are allowed. But I think that's an obvious one. Some other things that we talked about too are like renting out your car on Turo which might be we left our truck at home while we're on this trip. We took our smaller car and we could be renting that out on Turo. I actually haven't looked into it, but that could be another stream of income Mm -hmm. for something that's just sitting around to be able to divert that into your investing fund. And then house hacking. A whole fleet of cars that they rent out on Turo or similar services where that's their whole either side hustle or their whole business is they just rent out these cars. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard about that. Actually, another option here that I have experience with is renting out camper vans through Mm outdoorsy.com. When we took my daughter up to Alaska and did a camping trip, 
she was two and it's Alaska. So weather very unpredictable is in September, but we wanted to camp, but not necessarily like in a tent outdoors all the time. So we thought, oh, we'll rent a camper van, then we're flexible. Oh, it's raining on this side of the pass. We can drive to the other side and see if it's a little bit more comfortable to stay. And it was great. And we found that the gentleman that we rented this, it was essentially an SUV that had been kitted out as a camper van. He included everything you need to camp, all the kitchen stuff, the bed stuff, even like a battery powered refrigerator that was the center console (laughs) of the two seats in the front. It was insane. And lighting, beautiful kind of woodwork inside. But he had three of them. So he too was like, oh, this is a business, especially up in Alaska. I'm sure that people like to have that kind of outdoor experience. So thinking of it that way, but then just the standard house hacking too, ways to rent out parts of your home. Yeah. And that includes if you have a garage that could be rented out as studio space or an accessory dwelling unit, an ADU, as you were talking about, maybe you have a larger sized yard where you could plunk down something that's already been built. You don't have to build something up from scratch and you can rent that out. As my coach once said, it's never about the resources. It's always about the resourcefulness. So if you can think outside the box, because most likely you have something that if you just got a little bit creative and thought outside the box, you could squeeze out a little bit of extra income from that or a little bit of extra savings from that. And then as you put that into your investing bucket, it's going to grow over time. And then once you get to that threshold where you can then invest that, then the snowball really starts to grow. Exactly. Yeah. And it could just be another way to live your life by design. I mean, it's part of what we love to do now. It's not just this slog of side of a side business just to make money. If it was only to make money, it wouldn't be worth doing to me. It really has to hit a couple of those other buckets in order for me to spend this much time and intention and get it up and going. But then having the financial reward too is pretty exciting, especially those of us who are a little bit of investing nerds out here. (laughs) Guilty as charged. Well, to the listener, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you got some value and more importantly, some ideas Whether you take these specific ideas and implement them, or they've sparked some ideas for you of new ways that you can maybe create passive streams of income or contribute financially to your bottom line and to your family so that you can then get into investing and snowball your wealth. Hopefully you've gotten some good ideas from this conversation. If you are in a place where you are looking for investment opportunities and you're getting to know us at Good Egg Investments, we highly recommend a shortcut that we've created for you, which is our case studies and track record. For a lot of these real estate syndication investments, it's super important, just as when you Airbnb out your home, to know who's on the other end of that. If they're going to take care of your home or a home exchange, you want to make sure that if they break a glass, they're going to be considerate. The same goes with real estate syndications, because when you invest your hard-earned money, you want to be sure that you're investing with somebody you trust. So to help you learn more about us, we've put all of our track record into one easy place. And so to get a copy of that, you can go to goodegginvestments.com slash track record. And of course, if you're looking for investment opportunities, you can go to goodegginvestments.com slash deals. 
All right. With that, that wraps another great episode of the Life and Money Show. Susan, thank you so much for sharing your story about Airbnb. I learned so much. Any last thoughts you want to share? Well, that's it. Well, along the lines of track record, just to drop the crowdfunding plug again, this is the biggest difference with the new type of crowdfunding in that it's not just this big blind portfolio like some of the big crowdfunding sites that you may be familiar with, you're able to invest in the teams that have the track record. So you can evaluate the team behind the deal. And that really is a massive difference to protecting your capital and getting the returns that we all want out of real estate. Yes. So to all the listeners, we're right here with you. We're building our wealth and we're creating our life by design step in step with you. And so if you have questions, reach out anytime. We're always happy to help. Thank you for joining us for this episode and we'll see you next time on the next episode of The Life and Money Show. Thanks everyone. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who like you are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.